Blog Talk Radio. Shortly, he was having a few little phone issues and stuff like that, but uh, he's able to. He'll hop on as well. Hope everybody's Wednesday evening is going well. Hope your first half of the week has gone well. Hope the rest of the week goes well uh, as well. If I can say well a few more times at the start of this show. <clears throat> Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, Cats Talk Wednesday. P-A-T-S-T-A-L-K-W-E-D. The show is brought to you by Smoky Mountain Trader. Um, advertising, graphic needs, classified ads, they take care of all of that. Uh, right here in Morristown, Tennessee, 423-587-1700, Suite 1, West Andrew Johnson Highway. Lynn Earls is the man there. They take care of all your needs here in the Tri-State area, Tennessee, Virginia, and Kentucky. And we always appreciate them helping us bring the show to you. So check out Smoky Mountain Trader. Got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. A lot of gut punch stuff to talk about. Um, because the injury bug has kind of been biting a few former cats. Um, of course, by now, everybody already knows but they happened since Weaver last on the air. Um, we all felt sick to see what happened to DeMarcus Cousins. We saw what happened with him. Terry um, being a Lakers fan, definitely hope he can hop in and, and weigh in on that subject. Um, on the NFL side of things, we saw the same thing happen to Avery Williams, a former cat. Avery Williamson lost for the season with an ACL injury. DeMarcus Cousins lost for the season with an ACL injury. Hate to see that for both of them. Um, We'll go into a little more detail on both, uh, especially if we get TV with the Lakers angle. Uh, We'll go into a little bit with Avery Williamson because uh, Adam Gase, his head coach, was taking blame for that. Um, this is a preseason injury. Every Williamson is a veteran. Of course, everybody's trying to, you know, learn the new system, learn the new coach and all that, and get the veterans even a few more reps. And that's what got Every Williamson hurt. Uh, he was the only established veteran on the Jets defense that was still out there when he got injured, a teammate, friendly fire to the teammate. Uh, fell into his leg uh, and cost him this upcoming 2019 football season. 
Uh, we'll get into Adam Gase because there was some <laughs> revealing stuff that even came out about him. Maybe we're not the biggest Adam Gase observers or keep up with what's going on with him. But uh, a lot of interesting details came out about him. In addition to this, this was just stuff that was coming out about him already. Uh, he's been a head coach before. Um, he's a throwback, and he might not be a throwback for all of the the best reasons. <clears throat> we'll get into all of those things. 845-277-9373 is the number to give us a call. Uh, feel free to hop on the line. Whatever you want to talk about, we've had some calls here lately from UK fans, from people who just found us randomly in New Jersey and Pittsburgh, and so we'd love to have you call in and, and chime in on whatever topics you want to hit. Um, we always definitely enjoy that. Um, got the XFL making revelations about things. Um, of course, this is take two for them, almost 20 years later. They revealed their eight teams. We'll maybe look into that, the team logos and things of that nature. Uh, are you excited about that? Yay, nay, don't even care. Uh, we just saw the AAF, <laughs> the latest edition and attempt, uh, not work out. You know, even Steve Spurrier was a coach. And right in the middle of their season, things, you know, went belly up for them. XFL is undaunted, and we'll try to revamp it and relaunch it in February, right after the NFL season, of course, is over. And they'll be going up against college basketball and the NBA and all of those things and, and see if they can get some more spring football, another attempt at some spring football. So we shall see. We're continuing to inch our way to um, game week. As a matter of fact, you know, Kentucky, you know, the game week will be coming up uh, as they get ready for Toledo on the 31st, which is not this weekend, but the next weekend. But this weekend, there's actually, you know, going to be some football. And it's a big game to start off. you got Florida and Miami. So starting with this weekend, you won't be devoid of football until the NFL season ends. You've got some high school football kicking up uh, in various different areas as well. And down here where I live in Tennessee, there's some games going, the big rivalry game right off the bat, Morristown East versus Morristown West. Uh, Randy Sanders, who's assistant at Kentucky, went to Morristown East. Um, former U.K. voice for women, women's basketball and baseball, Neil Price, also went to Morristown East. Of course, Neil is down to Mississippi State now. So two people with Kentucky ties uh, went to high school right here where I'm at. Um, so they start off right off the bat, the city rivalry, the big game in the town. The whole county turns out that starts off this Friday. It used to be in the middle of the year, but now they're kind of jumping right into it in, in week one. Uh, so high school football, college football kicking off. Uh, we'll have to have the slow summer like we've been seeing. Uh, it'll be more stuff to talk about, more stuff to watch. You know, the baseball fans are cool. I like the Braves. I'm a big MLB fan. But it's fun to have, you know, something else, too. You know, and we'll have football in addition to that. <clears throat> and then it'll be that whirlwind. Football, baseball playoffs, Big Blue Madness, and it's just that, whew, 
jumping right back into everything all over again. So uh, uh, looking forward to it. Those who've been having to wait, the wait is almost over. <clears throat> Feel free to check us out. I'm about to put out the links, of course, as I mentioned on the show, at Cats on Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I'm to try to get the Facebook Live going. I'll put the link to the show there as well. And I'll put the number out. That way you can give us a call, 845-277-9373. And the show's available wherever you get your podcast. A few minutes last week. We had Holly Pennebaker on, the author, writing her first book. We had former UK wide receiver Derek Abney on. You can go back and listen to that at your convenience. Subscribe anywhere you see Cast Talk Wednesday, where you get your podcast. It all comes right to you. You know, iTunes, Castbox, FM, TuneIn, all those areas you can get the show uh, anytime you would like. We'll take us a quick break right now. See if we can get TB on. Hopefully he can join us. If not, uh, we'll be flying solo tonight. But we'll have a fun show. Cast Talk Wednesday, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Stay right with us. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, welcome back. Catch Talk Wednesday. Penny Hardy here. You through your hump day. It's August the 21st, 10 days away from the season opener for Kentucky football. So like I said, the wait is over. The excitement is building. Noon kickoff at Kroger Field. And the disrespect is there. The disrespect is rampant. Uh, it started, if you will. It might have started the minute the 10 and 3 season concluded. Um, everybody knew that Josh Allen and Benny Snell were, were going pro. The secondary was gone. Chris Westry, Derek Beatty, Lonnie Johnson, Mike Edwards, Darius West, all those guys were gone. C.J. Conrad was gone. Georgia uh, Stafford with Jay and Bunchy were gone. Just a ton of key components from that successful season were gone. Get to SEC Media Days, and Kentucky is picked sixth in the East. Uh, so, you know, the, the 10 wins meant nothing. It's just look at the perception and look what you lost. You lost all time sack leader, lost all time rushing leader, and he's now broke Sonny Collins' rushing record. And that record was older than I am. And Sonny Collins left UK in 1976. Still the rushing leader. Four decades later. So, perception, Kentucky has to just take a huge step back because they lost generational talent. My contention was that Josh and Benny were not generational recruits when they came to Kentucky. They were developed into the general generational talents that they came to be. And the development is still getting slipped on. Um, the depth is being built to a level that uh, hasn't been built to before. We're, we're still getting used to seeing this level uh, of depth for Kentucky football, uh, seeing these consistent levels of four stars and high four stars and, and five stars coming in. Um, to build that depth. We're seeing guys that would normally have to play right away, uh, get red-shirted, and then come in bigger and stronger and bolster the core that's already there. So they're picked sixth in the East behind South Carolina, who they beat five years in a row, behind Missouri, who they beat in four years in a row, uh, behind Tennessee, uh, second-year coach Jerry Pruitt, who has a, a huge – Concerns and questions with their offensive line. Uh, can they protect Jared Garantano? Got a lot of good receivers, but can you give the quarterback time to get the ball to those receivers? Pick behind Tennessee and ahead of Vanderbilt. So the fuel to the fire was already there. The, the, the motivation to have a chip on your shoulder to realize it's what have you done for me lately? Hey, you've won 10 games, but we're predicting you to be right back near the cellar. In the SEC, you know, great Citrus Bowl, but you're going to follow it up and struggle. That's the perception. And team rankings come out, and you see that the opponents you open the season with, the Toledo Rockets, are ranked ahead of you as well. So if if, if being sixth in the East wasn't enough, <laughs> get a little taste of having to look up at Toledo ahead of you. So 
lots of things to be fired up about, uh, lots of things to be motivated about. If they're not ready, you know, it's, it's, it's not like they don't have things to fuel the fire or get them ready. Uh, the coaching staff is aware that Toledo can pose some problems through the passing game because uh, definitely going to be trying to attack Kentucky. That's, you know, and the, the secondary should be motivated, too. All they've heard is that they're the weak link. They're inexperienced. All these guys are gone. No, no Westry, no Beatty, no Edwards, no West, no Lonnie. Now, all those guys are gone. And then Devontae Robinson gets lost for the season. Your most experienced guy is gone. Secondary is going to be inexperienced. Can they communicate? That's all they've heard is how they're going to be challenged and, and get picked on. So we'll see how they do when the lights come on. Will that be up to the challenge as well? So lots of reasons to be motivated. The fact that Toledo's picked ahead of them will just be more leaves and brush uh, put into the fire that should already be there. And they want to prove that last year wasn't a fluke. You know, if you go 10-3, and three, Follow that up with a five and seven or six and six. And, eh, you know the Denny Green thing. Yeah, they're who we thought they were. They're they're a flash in the pan. They're one hit wonder. Kentucky is who we think we who we thought they were. You know, remember the whole Denny Green thing about the Bears. The Bears are who we thought they were. Kentucky is who we thought they were. They weren't gonna follow up successful ten win season with another seven eight win season. We knew they wouldn't do that. So that's all the things that Kentucky's fighting. Uh, in addition to just wanting to prove for themselves, they got a lot of naysayers out there on various different levels uh, saying the same thing. So uh, we'll see how they all handle it uh, here very, very soon. Going back to the injury bug, the, the, the Lakers, Especially with TV was here, we definitely get his thoughts when he comes back. Um, we've been talking about it for years. He's been talking about it for years, you know, way more than I have. Being the Lakers fan that he is, um, Demarcus Cousins is coming, going to restore the big man legacy. George Mikan, Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaq. We had a couple little stints with, you know, Andrew Bynum and Dwight Howard. It didn't work. DeMarcus Cousins was going to come and just step right into that lineage of superstar Laker big men. Nobody replaces superstars like the Lakers. You've heard him say that, and he's he's correct. Um, You know, the Lakers reflect the city in which they play, you know, the whole Hollywood aspect. They were able to bring in LeBron James. He got injured, didn't go as planned. Before he got injured, they were contending in the West, though. But once he got injured and in the whole trade thing, you know, they sunk their battleship. So they bring in Anthony Davis, make the trade for him. Marcus Cousins, the kind of auditions, fought through injuries in Golden State. You bring him in to be the big man down low to free up Anthony Davis where he doesn't have to play the five, he can play the four, he can be out on the perimeter, he can block shots, he can kind of stretch his game out. And things are falling into place. You've got Jared Dudley in there to do a lot of versatile 
dirty work glue guy type stuff. Uh, Rondo's still there at the point guard. It's kind of trying to take shape. And then DeMarcus gets injured in Vegas in the pickup game. Uh, that same leg that's been giving problems with the Achilles, the quad, and now an ACL. Uh, it's a, a huge blow for the Lakers fans. Now, now they're looking to try to possibly entertain the idea of bringing in Dwight Howard. And you all, we all saw how that didn't work out the first time around. They paired him up with Steve Nash. Uh, That was a superstar duo that that didn't work. Uh, When Kobe was there, it just just didn't mesh. It was towards the end of Kobe's career. They're really... Possibly entertain the idea of bringing in Dwight Howard again. Uh, Mo Spates, Marcin Gortat, a lot of just big men. Just, are you breathing? Are you over 16? Well, we're going to give you a look. That's kind of where they are right now with uh, the loss of the Marcus Cousins. So, you hate it for Boogie. Um, he, you know, told out there in Sacramento, and as everybody does, outside of the Chris Webber, Jason Williams, White Chocolate Jason Williams, you know, Mike Bibby, Bobby Jackson, Pedro Stojakovic, Vladi Divac, outside of that squad, if you go to Sacramento, you are toiling. You know, Mitch Richmond was out there toiling. All those old enough to remember Back in the day, Mitch was an all-star. You see him all-star weekend, back to Sacramento, never to be heard from again, and put up numbers and ball out. That's just, you know, Sacramento. Perennial losers. DeMarcus was, you know, putting up numbers, doing his thing. The teams weren't good. Um, Mike Malone's the coach they brought in, and he's a uh, – Starting to have some success, they got rid of him. They made some coaching changes that were stupid. Brought in George Carl. George Carl, that was dumb, and it was just dysfunction all over the place. So his best years of growing into his prime was in Sacramento with not a lot of wins to show for it, not a lot of anything to show for it. Um, no playoff appearances, nothing like that. Gets traded to New Orleans, pairs up with Anthony Davis. And everybody's playing small ball, and they're coming out with the Twin Towers look. And it was starting to work. It was, you know, they were starting to kind of hit their groove, and he uh, had the Achilles injury, and that kind of snags it and, and, and messes things up. In line to receive a big contract that, you know, after you get through your rookie stuff, in line to make uh, a huge deal and, and get really paid, injury negates that. You hit a hole, there's no market for it. And so, uh, well, this was this was after he went to Golden State, you know, for a one-year deal, get healthy, contribute to a championship team. In the process of trying to do that, uh, hustling for a loose ball against the Rockets, and he has the Achilles injury. So just when you're trying to get yourself back, deep in the playoffs, first time in the playoffs, you find, excuse me, getting where you want to be, another injury, another lower body injury, leg injury. He rehabs like a maniac to get back before the season's over. Had some up and down games in the finals, as you would expect. 
the game two game was really good, and uh, he played well uh, in that game. It was really a bright spot. He had, of course, some down games where he didn't play well. But he was back and got to play. Season's over. He ends up with the Lakers after the whole there's no market for him and all that. With the Lakers, paired up with LeBron, with AD, Lakers become, you know, immediate contenders again. And love the Lakers or hate them, you're kind of looking forward to seeing how they're going to look. I can't ever root for the Lakers, but it was going to be cool to see DeMarcus and AD back together again. You got LeBron on the tail end of his career. Uh, you got your three-headed monster. How's it going to look? And he doesn't even get to training camp. I mean, just hanging out in the summer, playing pickup. Another devastating injury. So, mentally, you just get through this grueling recovery twice. I think you got it all behind you, you know, feeling good, feeling healthy, and now you just get set back again, you know, all those steps backwards once again. It's devastating. Uh, hate to see that. Same thing with John Wall. He wasn't injured repeatedly over and over, but to see him have to be on the shelf for so long, you hate to see both of those two guys. From the first team Cal had there in 2010 that turned things around from Billy G, Wall and Cousins, they were the two. And Patrick Patterson stayed, Eric Blitzo came as well, but it was Wall and Cousins. Those are the main two you think of when you think of the Cats in 2010. Who turned Kentucky around? Who, quote-unquote, brought them back from the Depths and the doldrums of Billy Gillespie, Wall and Cousins. Um, Cal comes in from Memphis. They come in to Lexington, and the turnaround was there. The funnest year, maybe the funnest team to watch, the whole one and fun that Aaron Torres' book chronicled, the Wall and Cousins team. Patterson, Bledsoe, and all that. Um, fell short against West Virginia, but it was still a fun team, and great to see them bring Kentucky back. So just devastating to see Boogie have to undergo this and, and go through this again. Uh, a huge blow to him personally. Uh, forget the basketball part. Of, you know, the Lakers are scrambling, trying to fill the void and try to find another big man. You know, they'll have to do that. And, and you know, people in place and powers that be will look to try to find a way to get somebody in there. But just from a personal human standpoint, hate to see Boogie go down like that again. Uh, you know, the whole BBN is definitely hoping he was able to go through another successful recovery uh, as speedy as he possibly can. And, like I said, same thing. Touched on it with Avery Williamson as well. He had had a good season for the Jets. Um you got a new coach. He'd already had a good season. And just to see him injured in a preseason game, you hate to see him lost um, there as well. So you just hate to see it. Hate to see Avery and Boogie both not even get to get to the regular season. Um, got the Facebook Live going as well. Got a lot of people on there. Feel free to call in, 845-277-9373. TV's not in tonight, so it's just me rolling through the show. Y'all call in, talk about 
UK, it talks to MLB. I'm going to put the link on there right now um, for the show. That way you can pop it in and listen on your devices um, as well as see me drone um, live on Facebook Live. Appreciate everybody popping in. Um, we'll talk about that. Talk some more cat. Um, talk to XFL. De'Aaron Fox decided to uh, leave Team USA. Uh, he's not the first, obviously, and he might be the last. They're over in Australia now. Uh, but he had been playing well the last game. He didn't play a lot. He just had six minutes and decided that he wanted to uh, withdraw and, and focus on his upcoming season in Sacramento. Then we're going to talk about Sacramento again. Um, you know, Boogie was there. He worked and toiled and, and wasn't able to see a lot of success. Willie Colley Stein had been there a few years before. De'Aaron Fox, and he had finally had enough, and so he goes to Golden State now. So De'Aaron Fox is there. Go, um, Sacramento did improve. They were the ninth seed in the NBA, uh, one spot out of making the playoffs. They improved their win total by quite a bit. De'Aaron Fox is kind of entering into his prime. Maybe he might be the face of the team that kind of gets them back to being a good team again, you know, like they were you know, Chris Webber and, and Vlade and all that when they were, you know, this close to getting to the finals against the Lakers and, um, and Robert Ory hit that dagger three uh, in the playoffs to knock them out with, you know, Shaq and uh, Kobe and those teams. So maybe Dan Fox might be the guy to, uh, to get Sacramento over that hump. It'd be nice to see. The Western Conference is brutal. You know, Denver, Jamal Murray out there, uh, they made a huge jump. They got to be the second seed in the West. Um, the Rockets, the Clippers, the Lakers, uh, Utah Jazz. Uh, so lots of good teams, lots of tough competition. Uh, but it'll be fun to see what Fox can do. Will he stay or will he eventually be like, I got to get out of Sacramento as well? Um, it's kind of the way history repeats itself for the Sacramento Kings. Take us another quick break. This is Cats Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy, my main man, TB, not in this evening. We'll still talk about a lot of fun stuff. We'll go through game by game for the football season. Um, what do you think Kentucky's record will be? Send in your suggestions on what games you think they'll win, what games you think they'll lose. But later on in the show, we'll go game by game through the schedule, see what we come up with. Uh, as far as this season is concerned, we know what the media thinks. Six in the West, some say six and six. Some got them two and six in the SEC. Uh, what do y'all think? Give us a call eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. Put a comment there on the Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter at Cats Talk Wednesday. Uh, hit the Facebook page as well, Cats Talk Wednesday. We'll be right back here in a couple minutes. Hope y'all are enjoying the show. Be back here in just a couple minutes, y'all. Yeah, you can't buy happiness. I mean, that made me happy for a little while. <laughs> but once you fall in love, it's a different. Now that I've found that, the world seems a lot better. Cause I can't give it nothing.
Comments you want to make, thoughts you want to express, we'll definitely listen and see what you got to say. Got a comment you want to put on the Facebook page, drop it on there as well. Um, as mentioned, all the episodes are uh, available on demand at blogtalkradio.com slash cats talk or iTunes or any of those places. A few weeks ago, we uh, Went back and, and played uh, an older show. Kind of you know, played one from the archives. We did do a live show uh, two or three weeks ago. Played one from a couple of years back. Uh, and stuff going on when we played it. You know, Kobe was retiring. Um, um, you know, things like that. You know, so you know, Terry being a Lakers fan, we talked about that. Um, the guest that night was former Eastern Kentucky linebacker Charles Tinsley from where I'm from right there in Harlan County. He was a senior in high school when I was a freshman. Uh, so we played that interview. Um, also had a caller call in. Uh, Michelle Morton called in uh, at BBM underscore Wildcat on Twitter. Uh, a biggest fan on Twitter follows the show, tweets the show uh, each and every week. But she called in on that episode for those of you that listen, and she was in line 
uh, for Tyler Ulis. He had just season had just ended, and Tyler Ulis was uh, touring the state, doing an autograph tour, and she was in line to get Tyler Ulis's autograph. So you just flash back different things that have happened a couple of years ago, and that's some of the things that were going on uh, on that past episode. So we all remember how beloved Tyler Ulis was during his time at Kentucky. Uh, teamed up with Jamal Murray in that second year. Didn't really have a lot of help from the bigs like we'd hoped on that team. Of course, you also remember Tyler getting bloodied up in the Louisville game. Uh, remember his clutch shots. Remember him being the defensive player of the year in the SEC. Um, didn't let uh, short stature stop him. The, the fight he had. I remember him getting in Scal's face, <laughs> trying to demand and, and get out of Scal all that he could. The leadership, all those qualities that Tyler Hughes had, just one of many uh, cats to come through that were fun to watch and enjoy watching him play and compete. Just cool to think back to what was happening um, over the time that we've been able to do this show. Um we uh, hit on Boogie and Avery Williamson. Uh, Adam Gase, the coach of the New York Jets, Avery Williamson's coach uh, there in the NFL, you know, he took the blame for Avery getting hurt because he left him out there. Fears are too longer than he probably wanted to. Avery ends up getting his ACL uh, injured and he's lost for the season. Adam Gates, I mentioned, is a throwback for a lot of wrong reasons. Back in the old days, you know, you had your Joe Gibbs, you had your Dick Vermeers, those NFL coaches worked 21 hours a day, slept at the facility, never went home, you know, take a little nap on their desk and get back to preparing for the upcoming week's practices and games. And Adam Gates is a throwback to those bygone days, you, know, you kind of see guys now, well, some coaches now try to have more of a work-life balance. You hear about coaches who let their assistants drop their kids off and take their kids to school, pick them up from school, uh, leave and go home and have dinner with their family. Normal human stuff. You hear more and more coaches that try to work in Things like that where you can have some time with your family, even though the season is super busy and uh, you're locked in. And, uh, there are periods of time where you don't see the family and you do miss a lot. Well, Adam Gates uh, is a throwback to those old school days. I think it was Pro Football Talk that had the piece about how in his office <laughs> there's no windows. Uh, so he doesn't know if it's daylight, doesn't know if it's dark, doesn't know what time it is. He has a Keurig coffee machine right there on his desk. He doesn't have to go get up to get any coffee. Just hit the machine and drink coffee right there on his desk. There's been stories. He used to coach, first head coaching job with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, now he's with the Jets. Uh, players, members of his staff getting texts, phone calls at all hours of the night. Uh, Assistant coaches' wives are like waking up their husbands, and it's Adam Gase, it's Coach Gase, text from Coach Gase, 
early least at the door. It's time it's after midnight, and he's knocking on the door of his players to say whatever he's got to say. Um, when he was in Denver, he used to meet with Peyton Manning every week uh, in the morning. And the fact that his child was about to be born didn't stop that. His wife was there on the table getting a C-section. Adam Gates sees that the child is born. They haven't even sewn his wife up yet. He says, are you good? She says, yes. And he still goes and meets with Peyton Manning like nothing ever happened. Beat Peyton Manning to the spot that they meet at. And Peyton gets there and a surprise to see him. He's like, didn't your wife just have a baby? You know, normal human stuff that you kind of got to focus on or you should be focusing or prioritizing a little bit more on things like that than Adam Gates actually was. So this is the type of guy he is. Um, you've seen the meme of the gift of him with the huge, just bugged-out eyes. Um, it looks even worse when he has the beard shaven. Uh, he grows a little full beard, and it kind of makes him look a little less psychotic and a little bit younger. But the fact that he's just sitting there knocking back coffee 24-7 at his desk without even having any knowledge of what time of day or night it is explains a lot. Uh, the dude, I mean, he's just wired is an understatement, and this explains why he's texting guys and knocking on doors and calling guys uh, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Um Look, it's a grind, but that's that's way too too much. Um, I don't know. The second time around, maybe he'll change his methods. You know, uh, he's 23 and 25. It's his record as a head coach. So you know, you're averaging seven, eight wins a year. Struggling to be a 500 coach, uh, grinding like that. So will he change now that he's in New York? Will the New York media eat him alive? Will he? make some adjustments or he still be that same guy. I'm going to go out texting and calling and camping out on my players' porches while they're sleeping. Is he going to continue to be that way? So it'll be something to keep an eye on when you're uh, watching the NFL this year and watching the Jets. Um, I'm going to get some more information, too. For those of you who listened to the show for a while, in March Madness, we partnered up with Balto.com. We had the, the bracket challenge through Balto. Go to Balto.com now, and you'll see they're getting things ramped up uh, for the NFL season. There's a, a pick em that they're doing. Joe Montana uh, is going to do uh, a pick em a survivor pool. Uh, There's going to be uh, possibly some other NFL players to jump in. You can jump in and make picks against those NFL players, Balto.com. We'll start putting stuff on our social media, uh, Cast Talk Wednesday uh, Facebook page, Cast Talk Wednesday on Twitter, to where join us in playing against Joe Montana as he makes his picks. Uh, we'll probably make a lead for the show uh, where we can have some fun with the NFL. Uh, we'll definitely be doing some March Madness stuff uh, once Kentucky basketball kicks off, maybe some college football stuff as well. So just be on the lookout for that. A lot of fun stuff coming right up. And that, and that all starts with summer finally ending and we're getting into the football, getting into the basketball, where it's that 
everything that's going on. You know, it's a little bit slow right now, but here soon we'll have uh, all kinds of stuff to do, and we'll have fun with some uh, fantasy stuff, with some picks, be competing and, you know, bragging rights and, you know, uh, whoever's maybe winning our league will we'll announce it or we'll see you, we'll, we'll shout you out, stuff like that. Um, for the March Madness, the winner last year, um, the winner of our pool, uh, won a $50 prize. Uh, it was actually Brian Stockton, a.k.a. the Stock Tony, on the KY Sports Guy show. They have a show right now. Uh, they're in Edmonton, Kentucky. They're on the exact same time as we are. So check out their podcast, uh, KY Sports Guys. Um, the Stock Tony is what he goes by. Brian Stockton won our pool last year, so he was the winner of the $50 cash prize for our March Madness pool. So we'll be doing some more fun stuff like that. So keep your eye out. Uh, we'll be letting you know. We'll be diving into it. And, and Balto.com, Spencer Cassidy, Nick Montana, Joe Montana's son, they're the two guys that have founded it. Uh, we had him on uh, leading up to March Madness. Uh, talked with Spencer and Nick. Um, talk to Nick about being the son of Joe Montana because you know what? Look, everybody always has those same questions when you're the son of or daughter of celebrities. What's it just like? What's it like? And to them, well, he's just my dad, which is just hard for us to get. You know, but that's Joe Montana to us, but he's just dad to you. So it was fun talking with Nick about that. Uh, we'll probably get him on the show again. Uh, they're cool guys, and they're really building something great. Balto was really starting to blow up, and uh, it was cool that they reached out and partnered with us, and we definitely look forward to partnering with them again in the future. So uh, playbalto.com, we'll put all of that stuff social media-wise on our Facebook page and, and Twitter page. That way you guys can know what we're talking about and kind of get a better visual um, of what we're describing right now. Um, hadn't looked fully into this Devin Booker. Guess he's playing pickup ball on Instagram. And guess he didn't want to be double teamed. They double teamed him in the pickup game. Devin didn't want to be double. You got former players, Gilbert Arenas, uh, and Devin should want to be double. You just want to be a star. That's fine. If you want to be a superstar, you should want to be double teamed. You should be demanding to be double teamed. So they kind of got a little back and forth discussion going on. Uh, so we'll have to look and see what's going on with Devin Booker. Um, kind of being irritated by being double teamed in a pickup game. So, uh, And that's another one. You know, he's out there in Phoenix, and they've been terrible. You want, you want to see him as a former cat uh, have some success, be on a winning team. He was on the team that went 38-1. Now he's been in Phoenix just taking L after L after L. Uh, it's cool to see Murray have a successful season. Carl Towns has made the playoffs in Minnesota, but you know, you kind of want to see them maybe take a step forward and him, of course, being the face of that team. Have a successful season. The Western Conference is tough. It is tough to make any kind of headway. Everybody is stacked out there. Um, but, you know, Devin Booker's been out there in Phoenix forever. Is he going to stay there and tough it out? Or will he eventually kind of want to do like Boogie and, and go somewhere else and, and try to have 
a better chance at making the playoffs and, and getting on a good team that can really contend. Uh, that's what we really have to watch out for. You know, the NBA will be here soon as well. We'll be talking about that in addition to the college football, in addition to the NFL. Um, I'm not a big Dance with the Stars fan. It's been on forever. I know we've been a Cowboys fan. Andy Smith was on there and won it. I don't think I watched that year. Uh, TV been a huge knowledge fan. Jerry Rice, I think, was on it. This year, the two sports guys, you got Ray Lewis, former Baltimore Raven linebacker, Hall of Famer, uh, and former Laker and Clipper and several um, other teams, too, Lamar Odom. He was had some issues in his post-playing career. Those are the two sports guys that are going to be on Dancing with the Stars. So for those of you that like that, you'll be able to see those two guys in addition to the other celebrities that will be teamed up trying to um, win the dancing competition there on DWTS. I don't even know what season it is on Dancing with the Stars. Talking about the second football um, Last year, you know, Terry Wilson comes in, Juco transfer, and it was Terry and Gunnar Holt competing for the starting job. Prior to that, it was Gunnar and Stephen Johnson competing. Of course, Gunnar redshirted his first year and kind of learned the system when Eddie Grant was hired as the offensive coordinator after Shannon Dawson got fired after his one season as Kentucky's offensive coordinator. So Gunnar had been here, been around. Stephen Johnson beat him out. Um, then it was Gunner and Terry battling it out. And Terry wins the job. Gunner got to uh, have some appearances last year. He got in four games, uh, 13 for 26 uh, was the stats. Uh, after last season ended, you know, the, the rumors were swirling. Is Gunner going to stay? Is he going to go? Will he transfer? Stoops wasn't sure. Got ties to Ohio. His father played at Ohio State. Gunner is from Ohio. And so eventually you saw where he put his name in the transfer portal. And that's <laughs> how famous the word has that become in sports lexicon over these past few months. Transfer portal, transfer portal. You never heard of it, and now it's, you know, transfer portal kind of like that at symbol on Twitter and social media. Uh, you know, if you hit shift and two on your keyboard, get the little at. That was about to be obsolete, and now social media makes it the most you know famous little icon on your screen now. Uh, it's funny how that stuff works. And our transfer portal comes out of nowhere, boom, and now that's all you hear when any season ends, you know or even during the football season, transfer portal. So Gunnar Hope went to transfer portal, and he did ultimately end up transferring to Ohio State. And he was the only guy to transfer from an SEC school to the Ohio State University. Justin Fields transferred from Georgia to Ohio State as well. A lot of people figured that Fields would win the job. But all throughout the process, you you heard more, surprisingly more than you thought you would, 
about well, Gunner, Gunner Hope is, is in the running. Gunner Hope is right there neck and neck with Justin Fields. There's not much separation between Hope and Fields. Gunner Hope has a shot at being the quarterback at Ohio State. Now, is that true? Was that true? Maybe. Was that Ohio State coach Ryan Day just talking, just spewing, you know, crap out of his mouth to say stuff just to, you know, make things more suspenseful than they really were? Was And ultimately, Justin Fields won the starting job. Were they just saying that to kind of put a little pressure on Fields where he would compete and go hard instead of just coming in knowing that he had the job? As soon as he got there, who knows? It, you know, maybe Ryan Day was just trying to motivate. You know how coaches say stuff through the media, you know, Phil Jackson stuff, talking, saying stuff that you know you you know what you're saying, and you know there's a message to your madness. Maybe Ryan Day was just talking, trying to kind of keep Phil's motivated, or maybe Gunnar Hope really and truly had a shot at winning the job. You know, there was media members that covered the Big Ten. You saw stuff, and there was no separation. Like, they were right there. You couldn't pick a clear-cut winner. But ultimately, Fields was the job. But all the while that you heard the reports coming out that, that Gunnar Hoke had a shot to win the starting job, well, you, oh, you also kept hearing that, well, if, if he goes up to Ohio State and and wins the starting job, the Kentucky fans are just going to lose their mind. Why? Why are we going to go crazy if their hope leaves Kentucky and transfers to Ohio State? Because of the name, because of the history. It would be a guy who couldn't win the job at Kentucky, goes up to Ohio State and wins the starting job at quarterback at Ohio State. And some Kentucky fans were having trouble wrapping their heads around that or even wanting to believe it had that been the case. I I wasn't I didn't understand that. I didn't get it. Because Who's he competing against at Ohio State? I just mentioned he's going up against another guy who transferred to Ohio State. Justin Fields was at Georgia for one year. Now, he's had a lot of hype, but he couldn't beat out Jake Fromm at Georgia, so he jumped in the transfer portal and goes to Ohio State. I'm going to hope he's going to transfer portal going to Ohio State. It's not like... Gunnar Hope would have went up there and beat out Terrell Pryor or Troy Smith or Bobby Hoying, uh, established Ohio State quarterback who had put up numbers and, and, you know, been the man up there. These are two transfers that are transferring and battling to become a legit starter, something that neither one of these guys had done in their college career. Gunner Hope been around three years. Hope uh, Fields just completed his freshman year. Gunner Hope, like I said, 13 of 26, 100 some yards, uh, two touchdowns and a 
a pick at Kentucky. I just wrote a piece about this on CameronMillsRadio.com. Go check it out. Uh, the title of it is If Gunnar Hoke Had Been Named the Starter. Justin Fields, in his one season at Georgia, was 26 of 39, 360 some yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Gunnar Hope was going to Ohio State and competing for the starting job against a guy who had thrown 13 more passes than him at the college level. Hope had thrown 26 passes. Fields had thrown 39 passes. So why are we getting all bent out of shape if he had gone to Ohio State and won the job? He would have beat out a guy who's just as green and wet behind the ears as him. And more wet behind the ears because he hasn't been in college as long. He doesn't have as much experience as a backup trying to become a starter. So I never got the whole, oh, my God, what if Justin Fields is going to start at OSU? He's going to be the Buckeye starting quarterback. You know, Gunnar Hope wouldn't have beaten out a guy that had been around for a long time. Uh, Had he won the job, more power to him. You know, there's a lot of people saying that, you know, cool, if he, he, a guy that can't start at Kentucky but can go and start at Ohio State. I get that as well. Um, but they're saying kind of for now, the job belongs to Justin Fields. So there's still some scenarios that you you might see Gunnar Hope make a start or multiple starts this upcoming season. Just talked about how raw Justin Fields is. Now, Fields might get the job and grab hold of it and never look back and never let it go. And Hope might find himself being a backup again, just in Ohio State this time instead of being at Kentucky the past two years. But Fields could also have some moments. He's, you know, a new conference. He might have some bumps and bruises, might have uh, a couple slump games, might struggle, and maybe Hope gets another shot. You know, he kind of got a shot against Missouri last year when Stoops opened it back up when Terry was struggling. And Hope came in the Missouri game and it didn't go well for him. Uh, maybe he comes in with another chance. Maybe Phil struggles and gets benched. And Hope is the starter. Maybe if, uh, if you got two quarterbacks, you got none situation at Ohio State. You never know. I just didn't see the reason to get all tore on pieces about him possibly going up there and winning the job. And had he won it, he would have just won it. He wouldn't have been anything to to get all worked up about. Um, something else to not really get all worked up about is the uh, the Michael Avenatti thing. You know, this guy's talking about how much he got true factual stuff about you know, players getting paid and there's some stuff with Zion and Duke's having to investigate. And, uh, in the course of all of that, you know, Avenatti ain't the greatest dude in the world. In the course of that, you know, Kenny Payne or KP is named, and everybody thinks it's UK, Kenny Payne, kind of connecting the dots. Uh, and a text conversation came out between Payne and another guy that was kind of involved in paying players and things like that. And Payne telling the dude to watch his back. Um, it became news because it is somebody at Kentucky, uh, and it's going to be news no matter what it is, good or bad, 
significant or you know insignificant. Doesn't seem to be much of anything. Uh, it was paying mentions, and it was him in a text. It was him saying, "Watch your back." Nothing really implicating or just in anything wrong or nefarious happening. Uh, but like I always say, any school can act a fool at any time. So if, if it were to happen, we'd have to cover it and talk about it objectively, uh, just like we would if it was some other school. As of now, there's nothing that's been gleaned from it. Uh, and most people, maybe when when Cal first got hired, you flash back to the UMass stuff, you flash back to the Memphis stuff, you see the Final Four is getting vacated. Um, Cal not directly involved with the Marcus Camby and Derrick Rose stuff at those respective schools, but I can't speak to everybody, but when he first got hired, I was like, I'm just going to hold my breath see how this plays out. Uh, and 10 years later, with a microscope and magnifying glass intensely looking for him and waiting for him to slip up, there hasn't been much of anything. You know, Sandy Bill, the compliance, and everybody involved with the program has kept things where they need to be. So uh, that was a relief to see. And like I said, any school can school at any time and be naive to not realize what a crazy underbelly there is in college athletics. Well, we've seen it with so many different schools. Whether they get punished or not, you know, the NCAA, that's, that's a whole different ball game. We've seen schools caught and in trouble and maybe still deserving of discipline, still waiting to see if discipline is given to them or not, that's a whole another story. Um, but, um, yes, definitely had to talk about uh, the King Payne situation that happened uh, since we were on last week. So the Boogie injury, the Avery Williamson injury, the Kenny Payne stuff, uh, and now Gunnar Hoke going to Ohio State, not being named a starter, was kind of the biggest things, uh, in my opinion, from last week to this week since we, since we were on. Um, you throw in, you know, Darren Fox not staying on the team. Uh, so it's kind of what we kind of hit on for the first hour of the show. Um, Taking a quick break, we still got to go game by game through the SEC schedule. Um, talk a little food. We're we're moving into fall a little bit. You know, with football starting up, that makes you think fall type thoughts. Uh, we'll talk about some of those things on the other side. This is Cash Talk Wednesday. Uh, Vinny Hardy here, rolling solo. Eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. Send us a tweet. Hit me with a comment. Love to hear from you. We'll be right back. Take another quick break. Uh, be right back on the other side. Don't go nowhere, because I ain't going nowhere. Just the song played. I'll pick it up right quick, and here we go. The old school Janet Jackson.
true. We are back. Cats Talk Wednesday. Penny Hardy here. They hit a little old school Janet Jackson. When I think of you, go into the second hour. Appreciate everybody popping in on the Facebook Live. Got some questions and comments on there. We're going to go through game by game. See what we come up with for a win-loss prediction for Kentucky this coming season. Uh, Janine commented on Facebook Live. She's going with seven wins, which is uh, doable, attainable uh, for sure. And if you go nine and three last year, win the bowl game, you win ten. If you quote unquote dip back down and just win seven this year, I still think that would be a solid season, uh, considering what they lost. They did lose Josh. They did lose Benny. They did lose entire secondary. C.J. Conrad, um, solid O lineman as well. Uh, so still go 75. He will still be uh, a solid season. Uh, you got eight home games this year, so that's to your advantage. You uh, had to go on the road last year to Texas A&M in the West. This year, you swap that out. You get Arkansas at home. Arkansas went two and ten last year. They're going to be a little bit better, but this should be a, you know, should be a team you can handle at home. A uh, home heavy schedule, eight home games. Uh, if you go seven and five with that, uh, you, know, you this should be the first year that Coach Stoops did not maintain or improve record wise. But if you just dip down to seven, that would still be uh, still be solid. Still be pretty solid. <laughs> Um, the Coach Bernard uh, from uh, the Big Things Kentucky uh, Facebook group. They do a, a weekly show, YouTube channel. Coach Bernard was asking what's up with uh, the backup at Kentucky. I don't know if he's talking about uh, Sawyer Smith, who transferred into Kentucky from Troy, or if you're talking about Nick Scalzo, who's already there, a freshman uh, from Florida, he had injured his knee in high school. Uh, and then here this week in camp, he re-injured his same knee uh, in his first year at Kentucky. Scalzo is the dude that the, um, the Netflix doc is about, the QB1 Netflix documentary. He's featured a lot in that. A lot of other quarterbacks, um, the whole competition, quarterback academy, and the Netflix uh, show kind of follows them. Scalzo gets featured a lot in that show. Uh, a lot of Kentucky fans have been watching or will start watching because you see future Wildcat featured. So uh, you hate to hear that he got injured uh, in camp leading up to the start of the season. So, um, if you're talking about that backup, that's what happened with Scalzo. If you're talking about Sawyer Smith, the transfer from Troy, I hadn't heard anything about him. I keep wanting to say Sawyer Brown. I'm not a big country fan, but, you know, Sawyer Brown just wants to jump right out of my mouth. Sawyer Smith is the uh, backup to Terry Wilson. He transferred in from Troy. He had been down there uh, playing for Neil Brown took the hiccuping job in West Virginia. Um, Sawyer Smith is, is mobile as well. 
um, his whole mindset was to come in and to, to be a solid backup and contribute, uh, battling for the job, but he knows his main role. Hey, I'm, I'm here to come in to be a very good backup to Terry Wilson. <clears throat> so um, that's kind of the situation with the, the backups there um, for Kentucky. Um, the look at the, um, the schedule for Kentucky right now. Everybody, of course, knows Toledo. <coughs> Toledo coming up uh, August 31st, two weeks from Saturday. I'm sorry, a week from Saturday, <laughs> a week and a half from today. This coming Saturday is the 24th. So pardon my math. Um, 24th. Miami and Florida, they kind of whet the appetite. There's some games coming up, you know, Friday. Um, this is the first week anybody can dive in a little bit. Uh, a week from Saturday, Kentucky and Toledo at noon, Kroger Field. And they're going to air it out. Kentucky secondary is going to get tested. Um, they also lost a key offensive lineman. Kentucky should be very strong with uh, – the D-line, Quinn Bohanna, T.J. Carter, uh, Phil Hoskins, Calvin Taylor, a lot of guys that have been there and played quite a bit. Uh, the depth we talked about that we haven't really seen to this level, to this extent. You know, you see a good first string and then you see the big drop-off. Now they're kind of consistent across the board. They can kind of rotate and not have a drop-off as far as the front seven is concerned. I think Toledo will, will get some plays. They'll hit some passes. They'll hit some shots. They'll take some shots and hit some shots and and exploit the secondary. You got all those new guys playing in their first game. Um, I think Kentucky will come away with the win. Uh, go to one and zero, beat the Toledo Rockets, and then have a chance to leapfrog them in these rankings that just came out today and won't have to worry about being ranked lower than Toledo for much longer. Eastern Michigan at home, another MAC team. Um, they'll take care of them and go to 2-0. and Setting up the big showdown September the 14th with the Florida Gators friend of the show, uh, Juan Fortella, played receiver and quarterback for Kentucky back in the late 70s. Uh, if you've seen Juan on Facebook, he uh, he just ordered him a replica of his game jersey, number 16, with the Fortella on there. Juan Fortella is flying back up. He lives down in South Florida now. He's flying into Lexington for the Florida game. <clears throat> he was on that team in 79 that beat Florida 31 to three, the 40th anniversary of that Kentucky team. Um, just another episode you can go back and listen. If you missed the episode where Juan Portella was on with us, go back and listen to that. We got to get Juan on uh, again sometime as well here. Uh, have him on the show again with us. Um, September 14th, Kentucky 2-0, Clan, Florida. And look, this is. This is another thing we've had to kind of wrap our heads around. We, we, we've seen Kentucky get better and recruit better and build depth and not just have a good first ring and have that drop off. 
to consistently see Kentucky play Florida toe-to-toe, to play Florida down to the wire. They got the win last year in Gainesville, 27-16, and ended the streak. <clears throat> First win against them since 1986. But look at the years leading up to that. With the exception of the year when Drew Barker got hurt, and they lost like 45-7, to seven, and, you know, Stephen Johnson got thrown in down there in the swamp. I remember Mark Stoops talking about, you know, and look, he came from Florida State. He was defensive coordinator at Florida State. He said four or five years ago, we like, you know, playing the games. We match up with them pretty well. And just that quote, I was like, wow. But you look at it. They went down to Gainesville 2015, lost 36-30 in overtime. We know about the play clock situation in the swamp that particular Saturday. You know, lose 36 to 30. Remember that run? Boom, Williams ran 50, 11 yards horizontally, you know, darting around and getting that touchdown against the floor defense. You come up to Kentucky that played them. I'm getting the years mixed up now. Maybe it was 2016. Yeah, 2016, maybe. They lose 14 to nine to Florida, so you're losing to them by less than it's a, it's a one score game. And Kentucky had the ball in that game, driving with a chance to win, you know, get a touchdown. They win that ball game. You throw out the debacle in the swamp, you get you know destroyed 45 to seven. But we already talked about that one. <clears throat> you get them back at home again in Kroberfield, and <laughs> I don't know if it's as sickening as the Duke game or the Bayou Miracle when LSU beats them on that Hail Mary. But Florida beats Kentucky 28-27, to and that's, of course, the game where they left wide receivers uncovered twice, which led a 2 to touchdown. Kentucky is leading 27-14, to before those mistakes are made, they get in position to still win that game and kick a field goal to win 30-28, and then you get that holding call on Nick Haynes, uh, and that knocks them out of field goal range. So what I'm saying is they've been playing Florida toe-to-toe for years. Uh, after they lose 28-27 at home, they go down there last year and beat them 27-16. So 36 to 30, 14 to 9, 28, 27, and then you break through and beat them 27 to 16. Those three losses, you know, Kentucky should, should Kentucky have won all three? Should they have won two? Should they have won one? Could have easily, should have definitely won a 28, 27 game. <laughs> <clears throat> and we probably should have won a 36-30 play clock game. Um, probably should have a couple more wins. So I'm just saying, they've stepped up to where they're playing them consistently. It's not even a surprise to see them play Florida close on a yearly basis now. That's, that's where they are. Um, beat them down there last year. You know everybody would love to see a win over them, a home win over them um, this coming year. 
the 28-27 loss, it was, it was right there for the taking. Uh, it was right there for the field to be stormed and it's very hard to have to pay money. Uh, but it didn't happen. So they, they rectified it last year and looking to start a streak against Florida this year. So I think they finally get that home win to go 3-0 and against the Gators. <coughs> so tw- September 21st at Mississippi State. Um, didn't have any success against Mississippi State at home. Beat them badly last year. Uh, if you listen to this show last year, this was what I kept saying. Mark Stoops had to take advantage of playing first-year coaches. We all remember what it was like for him in his first year. He took over a team that was terrible, You know, kind of like Tad Morris in Arkansas. You, you go 2-10 and your first year. Stoops went 2-10 and his first year. Every team that was supposed to beat Kentucky <clears throat> beat Kentucky. You plan a first-year coach. This was his first SEC job. His first head coaching job was in the SEC. So you go in there, everybody beat Kentucky like they should have. That was the type of game it was last year for Mark Stoops. Joe Moorhead was the first-year head coach. Came from Penn State down to Mississippi State. I know he had, you know, uh, Nick Fitzgerald and, and all that. This is a first-year coach. Your first head coaching job is in the SEC. No matter how long you coordinate, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, you still have to prepare for that transition. You, you can't get experience at that until you actually do it. Mark Stoops took advantage, and, and Kentucky beat Mississippi State 28-7. to The defense was nasty, and Benny Snell ran all over it. Uh, Kentucky ran and, and was able to do that. They haven't had success at Mississippi State in Starkville as much. Uh, I think they might slip up and, and drop this one on the road at Mississippi State and fall to 3-1. and one. Uh, second straight um, second straight road game. You're at South Carolina the following week, <clears throat> and you know, you've beaten this team five straight years. They can't wrap their head around that in Columbia. Just like we're, or I'm still, you know, wrapping my head around the improved recruiting and you know, the progress and strides Kentucky has made after where they've been historically. South Carolina fans are still grappling with the fact that they've lost a handful of games in a row to Kentucky. And I think Kentucky makes it six. South Carolina's schedule is brutal. Uh, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. They start out with North Carolina. Um, I'll go through it maybe at some other point in time. But Kentucky is kind of a must win. They really need it, but I don't think they'll get it. You know, Jake Bentley's been supposedly getting better and improving. For years now, he burst on the scene with a lot of hype and a lot of flash, and here we are three, four years later talking about him still needing to quit turning the ball over. Um, he was saying it himself as the media days. Um, Stoops just has Muschamp's number, and I just believe it when I see it when it comes to South Carolina beating Texas. Bounce back and get a win on the road. 
six straight over the Gamecocks. <clears throat> By week, uh, October 5th, open date, October 12th, you get Arkansas at home. They should be better. They were 2 and 10 last year. Chad Morris is still, you know, he's where Stoops was in year one and two, trying to build it back. Um, this is a game. This is the team you're supposed to beat. You have to, you know, handle your business at home. They beat Arkansas, go to 5 and 1 at Georgia, October the 19th. All the strides and all the progress still. Don't think they're ready for the dogs yet. Um, Played for a shot at Atlanta last year. Georgia came to Lexington and, you know, imposed their will and, and handled their business. Cricket's uh, still shooting for them, still trying to get there. Um, and I think they dropped 5 and 2 after the loss at Athens. Um, Missouri at home, October 26th. This is, of course, the team that they shut out on the road in the second half, 13 straight three and outs. And this is Drew Locke, who's in the NFL now for Denver Broncos. He hung around and hung around and hung around and found a way to win the ball game. Um, they uh, won a 15-14. Remember C.J. Conrad, uh, the great catch, where William Bowden punt return. Won four in a row against Missouri. There's been some times, you know, years where they're not good. They're still beat Missouri. Years where they're not good. Still find ways to beat South Carolina. Uh, and they've won against Missouri different types of ways. You know, the last time they played Missouri in Lexington, it was 40-34. to 34. Absolute shootout. Last year it was 15 to 14, and you had to have a punt return and a buzzer beater touchdown after you've been slamming around offensively all day long. I still think they get on the way to get it done against Missouri. Big two. too. This is just it's surprising. It's surprising that they are. <laughs> um. You know, six and two. Tennessee at home, you finally started beating them at home. Still got an elusive win in Knoxville that you're trying to get. You know, got spanked 24-7 last year. Uh, beat them in Lexington the previous year uh, with Stephen Johnson's his first year as a starter. Tennessee is loaded when it comes to their receivers. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Offensive line is a huge concern for them. Can they protect long enough to let those receivers do work? On paper right now, their receivers against this secondary, well, that's a, a huge advantage for Tennessee. Kentucky defensive line against Tennessee's offensive line, that will favor Kentucky. Can they protect? Can they hold up? At this point in the season, we'll know what Kentucky's secondary is. It will either – you know, be surprisingly good. It'll be, you know, eh, so so, or bad, or even worse than everybody thought going in. That's, those are the kind of choices. But it's going to be what it's going to be. 
at this point in the year. Um, still think they find a way against the Vols. They're still struggling in Knoxville, just like the basketball team. You know, Thompson Bowling and, and Neyland are just tough to get wins at. You know, you know Cal hasn't won down there in a while. And the football team hasn't won down there since 84. So uh, I still think they will, they will get them on November the 9th. Um, I, <laughs> I think we, we, we throw it a dud. It's going to be a clunker, maybe inexplicable. And it's, it's I just, you know, I think the clunker is at, at Vanderbilt, as weird as it might be. Um, alcohols will be sold at Vanderbilt. It'll be like a home game. Blue always gets into the you know, fifth degree down there. <clears throat> so I think they will, you know, you slip up and, and drop one that you shouldn't uh, against the Commodores. You bounce back at home against Tennessee Martin, last, next to last game of the season, November 23rd. And then you do the same thing uh, with Louisville to finish out the season. You, um, you got to take advantage. This is Louisville with a not a first-time head coach. You know, Scott Satterfield has been a head coach. It's his first year at Louisville, and he's taking over a hot mess. You got to take advantage of that. You know, when you're more established than them, you can't feel sorry for them. Nobody felt sorry for you. Um, maybe Satterfield gets it rolling when he has a little bit of time and, but Louisville right now isn't there, uh, and they're going to take some lumps. And you got them at home and want to kind of get a winning streak going against them as well. So you you know, hold business and handle, you know, handle business and hold serve against the cards and get the win against them. So I got one, two, four, five, six, another <laughs> – Crazy, got another nine and three season. It all hinges on <clears throat> the secondary. The rest of the position groups are better than the outsiders think. The defensive line is better than the outsiders think. The linebackers are better than everybody thinks. Uh, the running backs are better than everybody thinks. Even though Benny's gone, those who don't follow the program closely think, well, that's all they got. Um, Josh Pascal. I'm not saying he's going to be Josh Allen. <clears throat> he's back healthy and ready to jump in and start rushing the passer. Don't let Xavier Peters get cleared to play this season. Um, transfer from Florida State. Originally he was coming to Kentucky. Um, changed his mind, went to Florida State, has a son. He's from Cincinnati, wants to come back to Kentucky to be closer to his son. To get him in the mix. Again, bolstering that front seven, it's already going to be stronger than people think anyway. <clears throat> the tight ends are very good. You lose C.J. Conrad on the surface, oh, they're going to take a step back. You lose Benny Snell on the surface, people who are just looking on the surface, oh, they're going to take a step back. Now, the secondary will definitely take a step back, but everywhere else they've kind of built depth more than other people realize. So I'm sitting here, and hard to believe that I'm writing it, but writing down another Nine and three season, which at this point Stoops maintains again. 
He's either maintained or improved his record year by year. Went nine and three last year, and it's not insane to see that happening again. Schedule was a lot easier. Eight home games this season. So uh, it's a good time to have a schedule like this as you kind of recover and adjust to losing that generational talent that you lost last season. So uh, send in what you think the win-loss record will be this coming season. Got them sitting at 9-3. and three. It's doable. That would be a lot of close games, and they could, I mean, you could flip a coin and they could lose, you know, three or four of these games and be picks and picks. Or I can, I can see them, you know, being experienced, being in a lot of situations they were in last year. Um, a lot of veteran guys. You know, coaching staff is going to try to protect that secondary as best they possibly can, uh, kind of disguise things and, and get them to where they can function out there. And you got a good front seven that can help take a lot of pressure off of them by getting pressure on the quarterback and, and being stout against the run until those guys kind of get their legs under them. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. That's where I'm at. Agree, disagree, agree to disagree. Feel free uh, to call in. Feel free to tweet in or, or throw in a comment up there. Uh, we'll take a break, finish up the last few minutes of the show. Cast Talk Wednesday, last non-football Wednesday of the summer. It's about to hit real soon, and we'll be rocking and rolling and super busy talking about tons of stuff. The rest of the way. <clears throat> this is Cast Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy here. I'll be right back on the other side. Don't go nowhere.
We're back. Last few minutes of the show, Cat Talk Wednesday. Benny Hardy here outside of Knoxville. Holding it down. Get our homeboy Terry T B Brown back next week. Uh, <clears throat> just finished up our game by game win loss predictions. I, I got nine and three and I'm still it's still hard to believe I'm writing it down, but, but I can I can see them going out and winning nine games again. It is doable. Uh, schedule eased up. Lost a lot of talent. Still got quite a bit of talent. And the secondary talent can kind of be coached up and make it through their rough patches and, and get their legs under them. You can, you can see them playing up to that. Level to get those wins against that schedule. <clears throat> Let's talk about my Cowboys for a minute. Big Dallas Cowboys fan. <clears throat> those of you that listen to the show know that. Um, we just saw Jalen Smith, the linebacker, get his money. Got a lot of people that need to get paid. <clears throat> you got. Jerry Jones tripping. Uh, got the Zeke Who comments after they beat the Rams the other day. Um, you got Dak still needing to get paid. Zeke needing to get paid. Amari Cooper needing to get paid. You got Jerry talking about there's there's a lot less pie left. There's there's, there's no question about it. Mm-hmm. I can see Dak wanting to get market value as he should. I can see him wanting to get paid more than Carson Wentz. Look, it's it's just a it's just a carousel. The highest paid quarterback isn't the best paid quarterback. If you're the highest paid for five minutes until the ink dries on yours, and it's time for the next guy to negotiate for his. Matthew Stafford was the highest paid guy in the league for a minute. You know, then you know Drew Brees, somebody else gets paid. Russell Wilson is the highest paid right now. Um then, you know, you got guys coming right behind him who might not be as good as him, but they're in that ballpark and they get paid higher, you know, because you know slot a little bit more to make a little bit more. Um, the Cowboys gotta work all that out. I also see where Dak hasn't been as good without Zeke, um, which speaks to Zeke's value to that offense. You got to get Zeke Elliott paid. Jerry was the owner back when the Cowboys won their first Super Bowl. When they blew Buffalo out, Emmitt Smith holds out. They're not going to pay him. And then they start the season out 0-2. They go out and pay Emmitt Smith, and they get hot, and they win another title. This team isn't the defending champs, but they're poised to to be right there to challenge for a Super Bowl. Won a playoff game last year, lost to the eventual NFC champs on the road in the Los Angeles Rams. You need to go ahead and get Ezekiel Elliott paid. Um. Is Zeke a knucklehead? Yes. He done some stupid stuff off the field 
yeah, the, the stuff at the music festival where he didn't get charged, uh, stuff in New Orleans where he, you know, lifted up the young woman's shirt when she didn't want that, stupid stuff, stuff in the club where he was out all night and had an altercation, dumb, stupid, knucklehead stuff that he needs to stop doing because like, he's not the only young guy in the league that's, that's getting paid and making a lot of money, but, you know, everybody else, not everybody is doing the same knucklehead stuff. Cut out that knucklehead stuff. Is he a knucklehead? Yes. Does he need to be paid? Yes. Cut out the knucklehead stuff. The Cowboys pay him. We need to go ahead and, and, and square that away. For a team that's ready to contend and challenge for a title, this is a distraction that you're just bringing upon yourself. You know, get all these ducks in a row before we get to the season. <clears throat> You make the big trade for Amari Cooper. I'm sure you didn't go into that thinking he was going to be a rental. You know what his contract status was when you traded for him. You know he's going to be up. Um, and with the performance he put in last year, with the shot in the arm he was for that offense, he performance-wise has leverage to where he feels like he should get a new deal. You got to juggle this and work this all out. And don't be acting like y'all just so broke, Jerry, Stephen, to where, oh, oh man, man, I'm angry. I don't know. I'm going to quit wringing all your hands and, and work out some deals to get these guys paid. And it was cool to see Jalen Smith's deal not end up where he was in this same situation. You know, get that, get out in front of that, get that taken care of. Cool. So another year or two down the road, you're going to have Van Der Esch. Need to get paid. You know, the young linebacker there with him. And look at this roster. You know, you look at the NFL top 100, and his Cowboys all up and down that list. They are prime. They are young. The window is now. So let's not let some contracts that we don't want to renegotiate affect this window. So don't create distractions for yourself that you can eliminate ahead of time if you just go ahead and get to the table and, and work out some deals. So that's kind of where I am on my Dallas Cowboys. <clears throat> um, hopefully they do get this, you know, these things taken care of and get, get these things lined out because they are primed to really be contenders. They're going to go as far as Jason Garrett, who should thank his lucky stars that he's still the coach after all those eight and eights and all those years of missing the playoffs. Can go as far as Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott take them. If you got Dak with Ezekiel Elliott, then we already see what this offense is capable of doing. Um, you also got Kellen Moore, you know, as your quarterback's coach, as your offense coordinator, you know, a young guy coaching a young quarterback. That's Still a head scratcher, but everywhere else they are, they're ready to contend. Uh, I was kind of in on Jason Witten coming back because at the end of the year, the young tight ends started to kind of find their way. And Jason wasn't that great in the booth. Now he's back, wanting to play a little bit more. So we'll see how you know he's able to be worked back into the mix. Um, plenty of experience, and you know that option route, he'll run that in his sleep on a safety or a linebacker. So um, 
we'll, we'll see how that works out. Speaking of Jacob Witten from Elizabethton, Tennessee, right up the road from here, how scary was that crash with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, coming into Bristol for the race, Dale was an analyst now. Uh, his wife, young daughter in there, everybody else on the plane, the pilot and everything. You look up, and Elizabeth is not anywhere from here from where I'm at, and you see that wreckage. You see that plane roll off the runway, and you see, oh, you know, Dale Jr., and wife, his wife was a former UK student, and to see them basically for the most part do just what happens in a NASCAR race. More often than not, you see a big wreck, so pile up, guys hitting the wall, hitting each other, and they all walk away. You know, varying degrees of upset at one another, depending on who they think started <laughs> the wreck or... or Checked up or any of that nature. Dale Earn and his family, Dale Jr. and his family walked away from that crash. Fortunately for them, that was very, uh, a very scary situation. So glad that they were all okay. That was some of the other big news this week. Uh, in addition to the, the big stories that we hit, you know, with the you know, former Cats getting injured, uh, what are the Lakers going to do? Toledo getting ranked ahead of Kentucky. That that Earnhardt stuff earlier in the week was big as well. So I'm glad he was able to skip working the race and, and kind of get your bearings back. That's a harrowing thing to go through. Uh, I've never been in a plane crash. You, know, you have fender benders in your car, and you got to get your bearings and get yourself back together. To have your whole family in that plane and all of y'all walk away, including your wife and your daughter, um, Definitely go spend time with your family after surviving that. So glad that y'all were out of there with just a few little minor uh, bumps and bruises. Ranted about my Cowboys. Um, I continue to keep an eye on that as well. Uh, As far as my Braves, they got the Marlins tonight. Beat them last night. This is a little stretch. They're playing a bunch of teams that they should beat. You know, the Marlins aren't any good. You need to beat them, especially after you battled back and took two out of three from the Dodgers, the NL champs, those Dodgers. And especially the way those Dodgers did the Braves in the playoffs, it was clear how much better they were than Atlanta. For the Braves to lose the first game of the series, eight to three, just get, you know, smacked around at SunTrust Park to bounce back and win the series two out of three, and you do it with Freddie Freeman going hitless. He went over for the whole series. Ender Enciarte, outfielder, who's starting to hit, finally kind of, you know, been hitting below 200, struggling to get above 200 all year, had been starting to hit here lately. He injures a hamstring, has to go on the IL, which is still weird to say, the injured list. I'm so used to disabled list, but he's on the IL. And then Ronald Acuna gets benched for, you know, not running. He thought he hit a home run. Uh, kind of watched it a little bit, watched it a lot. <laughs> and he only ended up with a single. Um, and that was early in the third game. And they still came back uh, and, and won that game to, to clinch the series. You had all three of those things happening against the best team in the league, one of the best teams in the majors, and 
you were still able to win those games. A good measuring stick test to uh, see how they you know compare uh, against those Dodgers who who just toyed with them last year in the playoffs. You went out to L.A. and struggled, you know, had a lot of pitching issues, walked a lot of guys. You kind of got overmatched out there in L.A. So you get a shot at them here in Atlanta. September's right around the corner. So take two out of three. With some stuff going on. You know, Freddie Freeman didn't get a hit. I'm, I'm just going to reiterate it. Freddie went hitless and Ciarte got hurt. Uh, and they've still been playing well despite guys getting injured. Brian McCann went on the IL, veteran catcher. Uh, and then you have Acuna, young dude, precocious. Uh, you you got to do one or the other. Look, if you're gonna, well, if you're gonna watch it, you gotta you know watch it as you run. Um, if you're gonna flip your bat, flip your bat <laughs> as you run. He didn't flip his bat, and he didn't run. So he just watched it bounce off the wall. Said, oh my God, it's not a home run. It's a single. Brian Snicker wasn't having it. So he pulled him, uh, had a talk with him. You know, he accepted it. He, you know, as the manager, I respect his decision. Uh, got to learn from it, got to move on. Still just 21 years old. Uh, rookie of the year winner already. A uh, couple stolen bases away from being in the 30 30 club. Already has over 30 home runs. Um, when he stops hitting home runs and he gets a single or double, he can look to try to steal that 30th base. But to follow it up and be a 30-30 guy, one of the best five-tool players, young up-and-comers, uh, going right now, hyped, living up to that hype that he had in the minors. Um, so just had a little bit of a, a young moment, young, uh, immature moment, and, and got talked to about it. And they had a teaching moment with him. And hopefully he learns from it going forward. So um, hopefully we're jumping on the Marlins tonight too. You got to beat them because the Mets and the Nationals are are playing well. They're vying for that, you know, the wild card spots and all that. Don't let them get close in the division race. You know, you keep that separation in the division. You know, it's cute that they're winning and getting hot and, and trying to turn their seasons around, but this is where you can keep your lead, keep your cushion in the division because you're playing a team like the Marlins. Um, I put a poll out on Cats Talk Wednesday on Twitter, uh, Braves Marlins, no score in the bottom of the second. Uh, at Cats Talk Wednesday on Twitter, look, it's fall. Fall is coming. It's not really fall yet. It's still 90-plus degrees on a daily basis because it's still August 21st. But the food world would have you to kind of think that fall comes around quicker. They try to get in the fall spirit sooner than I think because every year this time of year, you already start to see the pumpkin spice stuff. And look, I like pumpkin spice on most things, but I'm still not in fall mode for pumpkin spice albeit Krispy Kreme donuts or, or pumpkin spice, whatever, I'm not in foul mode yet on August the 18th or August the 21st. You know, you hit me around September 10th, somewhere along in there, September 30th, where, where it starts to get a little cool, 
fall, nip in the air. That screams fall. That screams pumpkin spice. Right now, you know, I'm not thinking pumpkin spice. But just like it seems that, you know, kids go back to school earlier and earlier in the year, it seems like they want to roll out the pumpkin spice earlier and earlier in the summer. Uh, look, I'm, you know, your, your, your pumpkin spice Krispy Kremes, I'm a fan. Um, last year, I think Kellogg's came out with that pumpkin spice Frosted Flakes. Um, they, they were good, too. Uh, came out with it too early because it's still August. It's not fall in August. But that stuff is good. Yeah, a lot of your pumpkin spice, I'm cool with it. I'm a fan. Put a poll out on Cats Talk Wednesday. It's going to be up for the next several days. Go to it and vote. Very simple. Do you like pumpkin spice flavored foods? Yes, no, it depends. Uh, and, and some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people, it depends on what the pumpkin spice flavored food item is. Most of the time, I like it. Now, um, you know, you might get some kind of curveball and say, yeah, I don't care for that. But the one that I did see that I know I'm going to be absolutely, positively, <laughs> totally against, I saw where they're coming out with a pumpkin spice. Bam. Let that sink in. Why? I'm not a fan of Spam. I've never liked it. Treat, never cared for it. From a kid till this very day, haven't liked the thought of it one bit. And, you know, back when you're young, you try that stuff. Ugh. And now we're trying to come with a pumpkin spiced spam? That is hideous. Uh, I'm sure there'll be many out there that like it. Y'all can have it. I don't want no parts of it. Y'all can keep that pumpkin spice spam. Spam, you should be ashamed of yourself. But, you know, y'all cashing in on the pumpkin, the pumpkin spice fanatics that like pumpkin spice everything. I'm drawing the line on that particular pumpkin spice scenario. I'm not fooling with no pumpkin spice fam. So I had to get that off my chest. But vote in the poll. Cats Talk Wednesday. Do you like pumpkin spiced foods? Yes. No. It depends. And uh, I can I can see how people would fall under all of those categories. Let's pull up the Twitter account and see what kind of traction we're getting just far thus far. Um, <laughs> ten votes right now. Sixty percent no, twenty percent yes, twenty percent it depends. So six votes no, two votes yes, two votes it depends. So uh, just some fun little stuff. You know, get your vote on. Um, not fall yet, but it's about to be. And that's evidenced by the fact that Florida and Miami 
will play football this coming Saturday night in Orlando. So you get to see the Gators right off the bat um, against a decent opponent. They should be better than Miami, but their Miami is not, you know, Wofford or some cupcake. Uh, they're playing in Orlando. The Miami staff is very familiar with Florida. Manny Diaz was at Mississippi State as a defensive coordinator when Dan Mullen was there. So they're familiar with each other. Uh, Diaz taking over for the retiring Mark Brick. So uh, get us see a good game right off the bat. Get a look to see what the Gators are like because, you know, a couple weeks from that, you know, from uh, this weekend, they'll be in Lexington to play Kentucky. Uh, so enjoy the football. Enjoy MLB. Vote on our little poll. Appreciate everybody that listened to the show. We're down to about the last minute. Um, you know, can heartfelt wishes for, for Boogie and Avery Williamson, speedy recoveries for both of those guys. Um, and Nick Scalzo as well on the football side. Basketball is coming. We're looking forward to that too. Um, looking forward to seeing what the big men will do. We'll be talking about that as well. You know, Kentucky tried to get in Folly Dante. They tried to get Kerry Blackshear. Nick Richards, E.J. Montgomery, Nate Sestina going to be on them. And well as the sophomores, you know, Hagens, um, EJ, uh, what are these guys going to do quickly? You know, the veterans, we'll be talking about all that very soon as well. Hope you enjoy your Wednesday. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back next week. We have TB back as well. Another episode of Cats Talk Wednesday uh, with Vinny Hardy and Terry Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Uh, it's been a lot of fun talking these past two hours. Look forward to doing it again next week. Um, appreciate everybody popping in on Facebook Live. Look forward to seeing all the votes on the poll. Keep your eyes peeled for the Balto stuff. We're going to put it on the social media. And, uh, it'll be fun to get in that as well. We'll get some fantasy football and stuff like that going. Y'all take care. See y'all next week. Been a lot of fun. Check out the replay on 12 Hour Sports Radio if you missed it tonight. See y'all next Wednesday.